This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, when a person is considered to be an underdog, then their performance is more than likely expected to be less than what may have been projected to others. But could this belief actually hold the possibility for better outcomes for that person, that underdog? Samir Nurmohammed is an assistant professor of management at the Wharton School. He's done research into this underdog effect, and he joins us right now. Samir, great to talk to you again. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, good to talk to you, too. Thanks for having me. So what got you first started thinking about the, the underdog and the effect that of being an underdog in the office has? Yeah, so kind of goes back to my graduate school days at the University of Michigan. Um, it, you know, it stemmed out of an idea of, you know, when do, what happens when people don't expect you to succeed? And, you know, I can think about experiences like that in my life when that's happened, you know, being a younger brother to an older brother. Um, of course, being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan and a Michigan Wolverines fan has probably situated that, um, you know, experiencing so much losing over the years. Um, but in all seriousness, it kind of just started getting me. I was interested in the topics of organization and wanted to find out, well, a lot of research says others don't expect you to do well, you do worse. But are there times when that doesn't happen? What happens when there's a flip side? So uh, tell us about the, the underdog and the role that they have, because I think the expectation is that if you're the underdog, then you're not, you're not expected to do as much. Uh, but you believe that there is an opportunity for the underdog to really surprise people and to be able to be m- maybe one of the most successful people in the office. Yeah, so that's right. So I think... I think you're hitting on it, which is a lot of prior research has talked about how being the target of low expectations is always bad. Um, So there's been decades of research on the self-fulfilling prophecy, which has been conducted in educational settings, in the military, even in offices, showing that when leaders don't expect you to do well, you end up feeling less confident in yourself and you perform worse. Um, But what I want to find out, are there exceptions to this, essentially? Um, So, for instance, in sports, we see a lot of times where people root for the underdogs, which is kind of strange because if we expect them to lose, why do we root for them? Well, one reason is, is, co- is of course, because they have qualities that we sometimes really admire. We want to see the really gritty person do well. Um, but then we also have these other cases, and Malcolm Gladwell has talked about this in his book, of course, called David and Goliath, where we have these incredible stories from over the centuries, you know, the idea of David being Goliath with, a, with his slingshot, essentially, in which the underdog won. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to find out more about that in my research. So that's kind of how I got taken on this avenue and started conducting this research. Well, I, I would imagine, Samir, then there's also the, the, the factor that plays in that uh, whoever is considered the favorite or, you know, the, the, the great success within a firm, that if, if that person is so successful all of the time, there's actually a little bit of a blowback on on them, maybe with other people in the office. And that's part of the reason why we root for the underdog at times. Yeah, so, that, so some research has kind of touched on that. So, you know, a lot of the, the prior research that talked about, you know, underdogs um, in some way talked about the ways in which they perform worse. But there were some exceptions to that rule. And one of the reasons why is they would say, well, favorites, for instance, in sports, they're more likely to, for instance, choke under pressure. Um, and Maurice Schweitzer and others from Warden have actually have some work kind of related to this, talking about how, Favorites actually feel a sense of have feel pressure, and when they're uh, when they're actually 
um, expected to do well, but then they're doing poorly, uh, they're likely to feel a sense of embarrassment and they're more likely to quit. Yeah. So there is a sense that maybe being a favorite can lead you to choke under pressure. It might foster a sense of complacency. Um, there's also research on what we call schadenfreude, which I kind of think of as the Tom Brady effect. Not everyone wants to see the favorites win. Right. Um, but what I was really particularly interested in my research is all of these explanations depends on other people performing worse for underdogs to do better. Can we actually see situations in which underdogs are more motivated where they actually perform better? And I find basically two keys in my research that kind of elicit that. One is that well, what happens is underdogs often feel motivated to prove others wrong. So whereas a lot of prior research talks about how underdogs are less motivated, they feel less confident in themselves, what I find in my research is actually is that people in these circumstances, they do want to prove others wrong. The other central idea is the role of credibility. What are the credibility of those expectations? Yeah. So the, those, that credibility can either come from the observers themselves, so how credible are they, or how well do they know me? And if they don't know me very well, then perhaps their expectations are less credible to me. So then in terms of that motivation factor for, for the underdog, does it get even to the level of, uh, of the underdog getting angry because they are perceived as one? Absolutely. So that can definitely happen. So anecdotally, you sometimes hear these quotes. So one of my favorite quotes is from, I'm, I'm a huge hip hop fan. So um, J. Cole is a Grammy winning musician. And he's noted over the years that, you know, when he is doubted by others, it elicits his desire to prove others wrong. And he one time said, you know, it's always been something that pushed me, this idea of being the underdog. It's like my engine, being the underdog and constantly proving people wrong. Um, Ali Raisman, who, uh, of course, you might know, was yes. an Olympic gold medalist in gymnastics, um, highlighted a similar motivation to prove others wrong. And, you know, she said after the Olympics in 2016, when after a lot of people thought, you know, she wouldn't do well. She said, you know, it's obviously, you know, being back at the Olympics wasn't something that others people expected me to do. They called me the grandma on the team and so forth, but she was really happy that she proved everyone wrong. So this, this desire to prove others wrong um, is something that I find across my research that underdogs are more likely to feel this motivation than others. Um, now, of course, whether it leads to too much motivation is a different question. Um, whether it leads to anger, which can sometimes detract from performance, that can sometimes happen. But in my research, I actually find that this desire to prove others wrong, it can translate to performance depending on the credibility of the observers. Okay, yeah, because I, I was going to ask you, because I, I would imagine that anybody that is an underdog or is perceived as an underdog, they certainly don't want to be perceived as, as that in the first place, probably. Yeah, no. So, so my research definitely doesn't argue that people want to be an underdog. I mean, maybe, you know, we, we see anecdotal examples, you know, in sports, for instance, you know, even if you watch the last dance documentary, you know, over the last couple of months, you see how Michael Jordan kind of creates that engine for himself, kind of highlighting on quotes from critics or from other players and using that as, you know, bulletin board material in a way. Um, but my, my research doesn't look at, you know, whether people want to be the underdog or not. What it looks at is what happens when you are the underdog and can there be times that it actually translates to performance? And this credibility factor is really important. Um, so if you think those expectations from others are really credible and you are the underdog, it doesn't actually translate to performance in the same way. Um, it actually doesn't lead you to perform better at all and it sometimes leads you to perform worse. But when you are seen as the underdog and you don't see those expectations as very credible, 
that can elicit the desire to prove others wrong. And that desire to prove others wrong actually leads to performance. And actually, to my surprise in my research, one of the things I found is that actually when people are seen as an underdog by really credible people, they still want to prove others wrong. It's not that they don't want to prove others wrong, but it's that the credibility of observers, actually what happens is it fosters a sense of pressure, sense of pressure and anxiety. And that's actually why proving others wrong doesn't lead to performance. So if you think about this in the context of the workplace, it's really important for leaders to recognize that you can't simply have these underdog expectations just floating all around the office. That's not something you want at all. By right. no means am I saying should leaders go around and just you know, say, you're the underdog, you're the underdog. That would be a horrible strategy. <laughs> but if, if these expectations, like now, like right now, when you see you know, journalists, analysts saying such and such company won't do well, or this does, CEO doesn't have what it takes to get, their, you know, get this company through the crisis, or even on you know, certain individuals or movements taking place in society, there is a way to potentially channel the expectations from others so that they are more functional than they would otherwise be. Um, and if you can hone in on the credibility, that can be really crucial. Right. And final question, because just playing off of what you said and, and the comment about the last dance is that, you know, people who who are considered to be the underdog aren't necessarily the people that are always at the lowest rung uh, of the office culture. Michael Jordan, obviously, the you know, a lot of people consider the best basketball player of all time. But he was always looking for that motivation. CEOs, obviously not at the bottom you know, rung of the company, but obviously they're looking for that motivation. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I'm working on in my follow-up research to, to, you know, to this paper, which is this idea of underdog narratives. The, the idea of being an underdog is a subjective perception. Yeah. And we can formulate stories. We can formulate narratives about ourselves where even if we're Michael Jordan, you know, some people might want to be, some people may not want to be, <laughs> but even if you're Michael Jordan, you can zoom in and you can create a narrative of yourself. And even see all this at his Hall of Fame speech where he's talking about being cut from the varsity team. So yep. many years later, after everyone's recognized him as the greatest basketball player of all time, he's still talking about that moment. Yep. And I would argue that's an indication that he still latches onto this underdog narrative to fuel him, that others didn't expect him to succeed. He himself thought he could be successful, and he ended up winning six championships. Great research, Samir. Thanks for giving us a little insight on this. All the best. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Samir Nur Muhammad, Assistant Professor of Management at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.